Gentlemen, Tony DePani here from the Patriarchy Podcast. You are about to listen to part two of our two-part episode on being the church in the dark age. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that first. But before we get to that, do us a quick favor. Pause this episode and go share our show with a friend or a family member. You can tell them to download the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network app, or you can tell them to use their podcast app of choice and subscribe with the feed link, bit.ly forward slash the Patriarchy Podcast RSS, no caps, no spaces, just bit.ly forward slash the Patriarchy Podcast RSS. Whether you share that on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Gab, or just send them a text or email, it helps us out by continuing to grow our audience. We've seen a lot of growth since we began, and we want to see that continue, because we want to continue giving what we feel is a good resource to men looking to be the men they were meant to be. So give our show a share, and then come on back here without further ado. Enjoy the Dark Ages, part two. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show, and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. Authority over me? Go eat your superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And that is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to the Patriarchy. My name is Tony DePani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? I will tell you, it is not a very good one. Is it real? <laughs> yes. What would make... I always eat real sandwiches, sure man. Sure you do. Okay. They are as real <clears throat> as Pastor Deborah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. No, I, I really, this ahead, is a real ahead. sandwich. It's just not good. I think like the sandwich itself is good. It's the sauce, like whatever I put on it. Okay. But I mean, it's hospital food. Oh, yeah, it's never that. Well, it depends. I've had decent hospital food. So, so, like, I've been in the hospital. Okay. And so I got this ham sandwich. They brought me this ham sandwich. Okay. And how can you screw up a ham sandwich? I'm sure there's a way. So, like, there's ham, there's lettuce, there's cheese, there's bread, but the Kentucky jelly is just terrible. Kentucky jelly? Yeah, like there was this pack of like Kentucky jelly that I put on it. Oh no. I think I'm already going with this. You're smiling. It, it just said KY jelly I that know. I put on it. It's terrible tasting, <laughs> man. That's so gross. 
Uh, you know what? I bet you that that sandwich went down smooth, though. <laughs> it did, man. Oh, that's so gross. Okay. Uh, well, my sandwich, <laughs> which is actually always real and made by my wife. Uh, it was a, uh, I don't know what you call it. What do you call a grilled cheese sandwich that has two different kinds of cheese? Is that like a double grilled cheese sandwich or a double ch- grilled double cheese sandwich? Your, your wife is stepping up the game. She's making two different kinds of cheeses? Two, yes. Yeah, man. She We, we got we got like two goats different. goats and cows or just same, the same milk? Like uh, It was just like different uh, colored cheese. Like one, I think one was like provolone. I don't actually know what the two was. It was white. And Did you call it colored cheese? Colored cheese. Do they cheese. call it that anymore? Is Co- that the, the, the politically correct Colored cheese? That? Uh, it was... Um, Is it not African-American cheese? African-American cheese? cheese? I don't know. <laughs> it was, I was just about to say yellow cheese, but I think that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was yellow cheese. So you're Asian, folks. You're Eurasian cheese. Uh, it's Mongolian cheese. And, uh, okay. and white cheese. No, uh, it was uh, racist. Swiss cheese. Racist yeah, yeah. cheese. And okay. uh, racist cheese. And, yeah. Anyway, it was... It it was two different kinds of cheeses uh, together um, on pretty. Th- I don't actually. I see. Any, I should ask this thing. I don't actually know what kind of bread it was, but it was really thick bread and uh, toasted, obviously. And uh, it, it's, oh, it's good. It's really, really good. Um, and if you ever haven't, if you've never got into the world of mixing cheeses, my friend, you got to get. Into I don't that. believe it's in right. mixed. You don't, don't even mix cheese. <laughs> you're you're a cheese purist. You're a <laughs> yeah, I'm a chemist when it comes to cheese. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Well, some of that was my sandwich. That was I know. I know grilled cheese isn't all that interesting, but it, it, you could do some pretty cool stuff with grilled cheese. There's actually some restaurants that do nothing but grilled cheese that were in Chicago when I lived there. They were amazing. Just don't uh, put the Kentucky jelly on it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. You don't want to do that. So. <laughs> anyway. All right. <laughs> let's. Let's. It's going to be in my head forever now. Thank you for scarring my mind's eye. Um, (laughs) We're going to move on. We're going to do... uh, Actually, we did this segment uh, last episode, but uh, we we have a new new member of this segment. Oh, that's heresy, Patrick. Failure to grasp what was intended in the passage in context before you make an application to yourself usually will result in error. All right, stop Another- right there. That's right. This is correct. And you need the context. This is like the context of the passage that it's in, the book, the Bible. Yeah, you need that. If you don't get the context and you just immediately grab it out of context, yep. All this, right. This, this is correct. I have a... I have a- <laughs> The irony. Okay, here we go. Great. One of these, by the way, is Paul writing to Timothy and explaining to Timothy that he does not, uh, in this particular case, speaking to Timothy, he says, I suffer not a woman to teach. In context, it's, and I've explained this before, Timothy is being bullied around by very rich widows, and you can read up on this and make sure the context is right. Why? Because Paul does not say that to other churches. He's saying it to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, find a pair and wear them. <laughs> I'm making my, am I making myself clear? This is cringy. 
<laughs> oh man. So she's a she's a, a one of those fake uh, pastors. No, no, no she's she's not only herself. a pastor. She's Pastor Melissa Scott, PhD. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta have you gotta have that. So did you did you know that that the whole point of of <laughs> First Timothy two was that Timothy was such a weak, effeminate man that old widows were bullying him. That seems like, that, that's, that seems like a great reason to send you, Timothy. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine him getting like these old women and like walkers like yeah, bumping right. up against him. Timothy, you, you need to move out of the way. I don't like the color of the church. I don't like the color of the carpet here in the church. Yeah. And yeah. that's why when Paul told Timothy, I don't allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Paul used what to ground his argument. Hmm. Uh, What's, the What's the context? Culture. Context. He used culture, right? No. That's how. That's how Paul shaped everything. Was he just he bent to the culture? So this is where a person starts off with this truth, and then they give you a silly myth hmm. that leads to the false teaching, and uh, then the people clap. When she says that Timothy needed to grow a pair. Yeah. Mm. That was a pretty crazy Which the implications thing. being, like, if you oppose women being pastors, you're you're effeminate. You yep. just need to grow a pair. Yeah. Yeah, I stop can being so Stop being so afraid of those old widows that wanted to just preach the gospel. I, I, right. <laughs> I, could, I could tell that was going a, a weird direction. Yeah, a couple seconds in there. But especially when I looked out at that... that like I said, the, the account title with the uh, <clears throat> pastor and PhD. So, yeah. Good times. Yeah, so the context there he gives is creation. Absolutely. But this is a good uh, a passage to bring us back into our discussion from last week. Which was being the church. Working and, our way through First Timothy. <laughs> well, yes, but yeah, we were talking about being the church in, in a dark time, and we we're doing that from... From the uh, the just purely the cultural perspective of Paul in First Timothy, right? Just just the cultural perspective. He doesn't he doesn't base it on any yeah. kind of truth. Yeah, it's not how Paul. Which works. there is a whole <laughs> context which we got into in the last episode about men mm-hmm. who were teaching myths and old wives' tales. Later on, we see that yeah, in yeah. one of the plays, and. Um, misusing God's law with lawlessness and legalism all mixed together and distorting the gospel. But as I read first Timothy, I see nothing about old rich widows bullying Timothy around. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's kind of a, uh, I don't know where she gets that from. That seems like a huge argument from silence. Um, but. Yeah. It's, it's a distortion of scripture and it's back. It's, it, it's it is the same silly thing. It's a silly myth, old wives tells, in order to deny God, God's word, and deny created order. But if we're going to be the church in darkness, then we need to reclaim the truth. And so, uh, that kind of is a good place to bring us back up to where we were. Um, do you remember what we uh, some of the other points that we made last time were? Well, we were talking. Well, we started talking about the setting. And then we went from, I think we were talking about a right goal, right gospel, the right position. And I believe you were going to go into uh, kind of our last two points on here. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked about the right goal, right? Love 
from a pure heart and a right conscience, a good conscience with sincere faith and uh, um, the, the right gospel. And that is a humility where we are sinners proclaiming the gospel to other sinners that God redeems sinners and brings them out of darkness because Jesus is king and he reigns over all and it's his law and way. And then because of that, we are in the right position. That is, we as a church in the middle of this darkness, we've been placed here. God hasn't removed us from it uh, and uh, he's not rapturing us out of here. We're going through this so that we can intercede and uh, both in prayer and proclamation. And then uh, as we do that, we rightly now to the right order of the church. Mm-hmm. And so we the, we are in the right position. We're praying. We're, pray, we're uh, preaching the gospel. And now we're starting to rightly order all of life and the life within the church. And so if you first see the right kind of order of all of life in verses 8 through 15, which is where the, the heart of her uh, abuse of scripture is. Um, and so the right order is Paul is saying that men are reclaimed as men. They are to have a prayerful demeanor. He wants them to pray with holy hands, worshiping the Lord, right? The, the work that we do is to bring men into the kingdom and turn them from either effeminate men who shirk responsibility or violent, uh, like men with bloody hands who are abusive. And we change them into men who lift up their hands with holy hands, right? They're, they're leading and they're leading with prayerful demeanor, but with, with, as God's call upon men. And, uh, uh, I mean, that's really what, that's kind of why we're doing the whole podcast. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. Which is what we want. We want to see men lifting up holy hands to the Lord, clean hands. What makes them holy? They're set apart for the use of God. The same hands that Paul in other places says that people work, the men work with their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, hands that work, hands that protect, hands that pray, and and even and we'll see here later on hands that fight rightly. Uh, but the, the the fighting is the fighting the flesh and, and sin, and. Um, and then along with that, as men are leading in that, women are called not to come along and lead men, not to come along and preach and not, and uh, they're forbidden these things, not because of they were just out of hand, these old widows, but because what God finds precious is a gentle and quiet spirit. And we see that because of the very order of which he created men and women, right? Paul goes into the very order of men. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you see there, First Timothy chapter 2. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modesty, and discreetly. Right? As the church gets in the right, with the right gospel, the right purpose, and the right position, it starts bringing men uh, um, out of darkness and women like, and women start to dress rightly, modestly, discreetly. That's not so much about their own focus on how, uh, much money and, or look at me show that they have, which even this verse, like, like I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modesty, and discreetly. 
not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments. Almost every single woman preacher that I've ever seen on videos, they're always covered in like gold rings and they're not only disobeying the first the first part, but they're disobeying this part. Yeah, if not if not the jewelry, then it's usually some kind of you know designer clothing or something too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is a trend. Because it's all about them being seen. It's it's about put the attention on me, whereas Paul's instructions here is not about the attention being on them, but upon godliness. And godly women don't want all the attention. Right, uh, godly women want the attention to be on Christ, and because of that, they, they quietly receive instruction with entire submit submissiveness. And and here's a hint, ladies, that actually makes you more beautiful to men. Oh, it does. It's glorious, it actually, yeah. because the, the women are still the glory of men. Yeah, and that's why I, I just I think of the ladies like in our church and stuff, and that just that's what comes to mind when we talk about this. Uh, that's. Our women are beautiful, and they're beautiful because of who they are and how they act towards their husbands or towards the church and also towards God. And it, it, they're, they're wonderful women. I'm proud of the ladies in my church. Yeah, and it keeps them from being frumpy, too. Like So, like, that's another thing. Like, it's like the modesty here is not a call for frumpiness, but it's a call for godliness. And um, so it's not about a show, but, like, modest women— who love the Lord are beautiful. And then from that, it's like, you know, they're, instead of like competing with men, they're actually completing men. And then there's children. Mm-hmm. And like, you want to know what a, uh, if a church is alive in the midst of darkness, there will be life in the church. <laughs> yes. A lot of it. All right. Uh, if a church is alive or dead, you want to know if, here's all you got to do. Go into a church and you can tell whether it's alive or dead or if it's on its way to death, are men leading in the worship? If it, not that a woman can't help in some way, maybe she's singing background uh, instrument or something like that, but are the men leading in the worship, are the women loving their husbands, and are there children? Like, are mm-hmm. children growing up in the faith? Like, if you're missing all that, you're in a dead church or a church that will die soon. Mm, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I've, I've walked, I've we've been visiting areas or whatever. I've walked into a church and there was, <laughs> I remember, I'm not going to say what church or what area, uh, but I remember walking into a church uh, with my wife actually at the time. And there was, I want to say something like 80, 90%, uh, try to be respectful, elderly individuals, uh, maybe like one family and two kids. And I remember thinking like, I don't know how this church is going to last in 10 years. Like there's, there's no future. There's no children anywhere. Yeah. So we can actually call this episode, uh, another name for it is how to find the right church. (laughs) Right. So now I don't necessarily rule out like you go into a small church and it's got a mixture of people and there's like one family and then Mm -hmm. a few older people and stuff. It might be a small church, might be a church plant. Might be a church that your family could help revitalize. Yep, I've been there too. Try to do that, yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, revitalization is hard work. Raising the dead, giving birth is easier than raising the dead. Well, the the one thing with that church I was talking about that I, that we walked into, so it's kind of nail in the coffin, is they immediately <laughs> we had our, a couple kids at the time, <laughs> and they immediately were like, "Oh, hey, the children go downstairs." 
and it was like, oh, so we're the only children that are coming into here. We're going to shovel them off somewhere. <laughs> like, this is not going well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, you have to get the order right. The order starts with getting men and women and, and children and all that right. And then from there, you actually have the ability to be able to get elders because you have you have men to choose from, mm-hmm. which leads us to like the church government, like and submitting to godly authority and men in authority. And you see that all in chapter three, like you'll see all the requirements of what it means to be an elder, an overseer. And uh, like if, this is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. Any man aspires to that. And then he goes on to give these uh, descriptions of like what a man must have. And one thing you need to know as you read through through those requirements is that if you're a man who's been ordained or is going to be ordained, and if you're honest and you look in your heart, you know that you fail it. Because we think, well, that what do you mean? If you fail it, you're not qualified, right? Well, I'm not saying we have to. uh, uh, We don't. We put unqualified men in office. The point I'm making is that uh, no one can look at this list and say, "Check, I've done it all." Rather, these are the traits that are to be yours and that you're growing in. And because of that, right, you see this and you think, well, my elder sometimes, sometimes he's pugnacious. Like sometimes he's not as graceful as I'd, or gentle as I'd want him to be. I don't have to submit to him. I don't have to follow him. And, and yet, um, you know, Calvin says God could have gave us angels for pastors, but oftentimes he gives us inferior men. Mm-hmm. so that we will uh, be humble. Yeah. And so that's kind of the point I'm just trying to make there is, is not that uh, we look at these and then go pick somebody that's completely different than this. But other, but the fact is that God set in authority in the place and we need to honor it. And if you're seeking to, to be in these positions, you need to strive for these, these uh, characteristics. And even if you're not seeking to be in them, because like, which Christian among us can then say, all right, I'm not, oh, I don't want to be an elder. So that means I don't have to be a, a, a gentle. I can be a pugnacious. <laughs> I can be, a, I can be addicted to wine because I'm not, a, I'm right, not exactly. trying to, I don't I really can, aspire to the office of overseer. Yeah, I so. could be, I could be double tongue now. I could be greedy. Like it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not an elder. I got, I got more than one wife. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So these are actually requirements every single body in the church ought to be striving for and and going well, uh, uh, going for. And then the church will have men be qualified from. There's a lot of problems that the churches don't have men that are qualifiable. Like they're not, they're not even striving for these things and, and falling short. They're just giving in to wine and all those things. Right, yeah. Uh, one of the things you see in this chapter again about this is about that that men, the elders, should rule well. They actually have the ability, the 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 responsibility and authority by God to rule well, right? They teach and exhort with all authority. Paul says to Titus, right? They instruct godly men and they rebuke sinners. And so you think about those in authority, and maybe you're coming into a church. You want to say like this: uh, this position of elders is not for yes men for cowards or effeminate men, right? Men with a lisp need not apply. <laughs> Do you have that over the door of your church? 
<laughs> now I'm I'm kidding. That might be like there might be a medical reason for somebody having a lisp or something. <laughs> somebody but got you know triggered I mean. on that. Yeah, they're gonna write in. I but <laughs> and men who are willfully blind to their own sins or the sins of others can't apply either. Right? Yeah. yeah. You you. It's not for overbearing men. Right? Good elders can make or break a church. Hmm. They can either lead the church into the goal we've already mentioned, or they can lead it into hypocritical unbelief, backbiting political movers, and petty legalism. And so uh, uh, that is uh, an important part of the order of God's church. The next part of the order of God's church is you see that God's people are disciplined, and you'll see this in chapter 4. Paul instructs Timothy right to be uh disciplined not giving in to old uh worldly fables fit for only old women uh he's to discipline himself for the purpose of godliness those were just the old women that were bugging timothy right just yeah that's all those things don't pay attention to theirs don't pay attention to them i guess that's where that woman probably gets that at is i've heard random things once in a while and it's so read into the text it's amazing that anybody actually think it's any kind of a good argument but yeah i think that was i think that's part of it but the right order of the church and if you're going to be rightly in the dark uh, uh, a light in the darkness is disciplined for the purpose of godliness like now physical discipline is good but godliness is even more profitable and so um we had a labor and strife paul says have our hope fixed on the living God and labor and strive. The Christian life is a life of laboring and striving of work. But we, even as we say we're not saved by works, we're saved to works. And so laboring and striving, like you can't be a Christian without laboring and striving. Mm-hmm. You can't be a Christian without obedience, without fighting. I have a couple more things to say about the order of the church, but it might be a good time to take a little break. Yeah, let's do that. We'll come back and finish your order of the church, and then uh, we'll close up with uh, the last point I think you had there, too. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm going to go a couple of commercials here. Um, so stick around. Uh, you are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We will be right back. Gentlemen, Tony DePani here from the Patriarchy Podcast. Do you like coffee? I do. The darker, the better. Joseph doesn't. He calls it bitter bean water, and that's because he drinks sweet tea, which is basically just brown Kool-Aid. He also doesn't know that I'm doing this commercial, and he's not here right now, so I could say whatever I want. Call it bitter bean water, or as you should, call it the nectar of the gods. Either way, coffee is a wonderful thing. That's why we've partnered with Mission First Coffee, a Christian-owned and operated coffee brand that ships that wonderful bean water straight to your doorstep. 10% of every order goes to Paul Washer's Heart Cry Missionary Society, and they've even got a no-questions money-back guarantee, which is crazy in today's day and age. So ditch the Dunkin', scrap the Starbucks, head over to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy, 
to get some seriously good coffee and support our show. What are you waiting for? The gender-neutral barista at the local chain shop to ask if you want whipped cream with that latte? Come on. Real men drink it black. And go support a company that will actually be remembered in the world to come. That's missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy. And be sure to leave a comment with your order that you'd love to see a super dark patriarchy blend one day, because I think that'd be pretty cool. So head over to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy. Get yourself or a loved one or both a bag of beautiful bean water today. Dear Mr. Zuckerberg, I paid for an ad for a gardening course for men that I teach. No pansies gardening. But I got a notice that it's been removed for hate speech. I would like to submit for review, please, because we don't actually garden pansies. Signed, Al. Well, Al, good luck with that, because in about two seconds... Wait a second! I just got hit with another strike for submitting my request for a review? That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, Al, none of it does. <laughs> just you wait, buddy. Oh, come on! Another strike just for clicking the I don't agree button? And now I can't even post? How am I supposed to advertise now? Good question, Al. And I think I may have an answer for you. And for everyone else that's been in the same boat as you. Are you like Al? You got your own business and you need to advertise, but it seems all the normal platforms just aren't working out because, well, they're woke and you're not. Yeah, we've been there too, but we want to help. We have an ever-growing audience on our show and we're looking for Christian-owned businesses that want to advertise to men and women that are looking for honest, quality-driven products and services. If you like our show, our humor, and our production, Send us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com with a brief description of your business, product, or service, along with the kind of advertising you're looking for on our show, and let's talk. Don't end up like poor Al over here. Oh, good grief! Now I have to submit my driver's license, a blood sample, and my firstborn child as tribute to Zuckerberg just to be able to submit another ad? Yeah, Al, it's not worth it, buddy. Send an email to contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. Let's talk about advertising your business on our show outside of the confines of Zuckerberg and all the others. All right, welcome back. Before the break, we're uh, finishing up here on the Order of the Church as we're talking about uh, being the church in a dark age uh, from the perspective here of Paul and his teaching in First Timothy. So, Joseph, I think you got a few more points in the Order of the Church, and then we'll uh, finish off your last point there that you have. So go ahead. Yeah, so the Order of the Church, we've talked about uh, um, discipline. We've talked about the, the uh, elders, men and women. And then another aspect of all of this is there's a respect for uh, the aged, like where God has placed us in our stations of life. And along with that, there's care for widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. So this is chapter five of First Timothy. Begins with Paul being careful not to, to harshly uh, rebuke older people. Yes. Yeah. And um, a, just as we said earlier that you 
like little children and young families are signs of life. On the other hand, we're not to give in to like this cult of youth, right? Yes. We're like, every, yeah. 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 And everything's good. I, I was going to say right now, one of the things I, I see, it's like a breakneck pace of just absolute disrespect for uh, anybody that's, I mean, specifically we're talking about here for uh, folks that are older or elderly, however you want to say, seasoned citizens, I think is the politically correct term. <laughs> um, but the, just in general, even just anybody that's older than you, um, I it's it's I've seen that trend happening, but man, do I feel like in the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, something like that, past decade especially, it is just breakneck speed of, I mean, I... I I have contracts where we work sometimes in schools and things like that. And goodness, as I'm passing through to go to, you know, some server room or something. And I listen to these kids talk back to their teachers or even their parents. And it's, uh, it's insane. I mean, I, <laughs> I would have ever even remotely talked like that when I was a kid, you know, I would have got smacked upside the head, spanked, whatever, and uh, severely disciplined. And now it's just commonplace and it's absolute disrespect. And unfortunately it does creep into churches and has creeped into churches. Uh, there's just kind of this, and there's also, you know, there's this growing mentality of, well, you know, well, when my parents get older, we're just going to kind of shuffle them away off, you know, to some home and let somebody else take care of them. And so I can be fair here. There are some times where for like medical needs and things like that, that that may have to happen. But in general, I, I really should endeavor to try to take care of our parents, um, you know, when they grow older. And I, I tend to do that as absolutely as much as I possibly can, you know, move them in with me, whatever, you know, we need to do. Uh, it, but there's just a mentality, even in amongst Christians, which is really sad of just, well, my, my parents have hit this age and now I got to go find them a home, you know, and there's just a disrespect, uh, for, for them and a lack of, I think, care, which is kind of what you're going into here is a care for the elderly and a care for widows and, and orphans. Yeah. So you actually said everything that, uh, I would say, you know, like there's like, there's really nothing worse than mouthy children. Oh. You can't yeah. respect their parents, man. And it's everywhere. And all of like the kids' television shows are teaching kids that. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a, and that's why, right. Yeah, you mentioned that. I was just talking to my wife the other day and I'm like, it's so hard to find any little show or a movie or something to, you know, play for a family night or something like that where you don't have some kid mouthing off to their parent, disrespecting their parent, disobeying their parent, or, and, or have the parent be a complete and absolute idiot so that it makes it funny, you know, when the kids do that. Um, it, it's just, it's like, I mean, but to be fair, it's been around for a while too. Cause I mean, you think about uh, Dis early Disney movies, some of them like uh, Little Mermaid, right? That whole yep. movie, <laughs> don't get me started a Little Mermaid, but like that whole movie is basically about this teenage girl that just doesn't want to do what daddy says. And then by the end of the movie, it's like, ah, well, it all turned out okay. And it's just, it's a terrible, t I mean, there's multiple reasons why that's a bad movie. I mean, immodesty is one part, but that whole thing, it's like the whole theme of it is just like, ah, I'm going to do what I feel like. And I don't care what daddy thinks. And at the end, daddy's like, oh, my daughter turned out okay. I love her. It's fine. And like, it's terrible. So yeah, uh, you don't want to get me started a little mermaid. I hate that movie. So. <laughs> well, you know the answer for it. Lore.tv. Well, a free no, I was going to say, ad. like, if you have mouthy children at church, is you go to the zoo and you buy some bears. <laughs> what? 
Oh, okay. And you let the bears <laughs> loose. <laughs> okay, I was like, wait, is it, okay, I got you. I got you. I, I no, I'm kidding. Yeah. But I think the, the actual answer is start reclaiming <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Yes, ma'am, in your church. sir. Ma'am, yes, sir. Yes, ex- no, absolutely. Sir. And you got to practice that. Yep. And then the honor fathers and mothers, right? It, it's it's good to remember the godly and biblical tradition saying it down to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? A lot of modern churches that are in the darkness and doing the silly myths and all the stuff, they got no knowledge of their fathers in the faith, and it leaves them tossed to and fro by every fad. I think they think also when I think there's this and I uh, okay I think everybody maybe sometimes thinks this to a little bit you know when you're when you're quite younger you kind of think once you're starting to get the age of being out of the house well I'm I'm an adult now and I know everything or something like that I'm not saying everybody exactly thinks that but I think there's that temptation but man the older I get and the more that I mean my dad and I see each other just about every week and and the older I get and the more my dad and I talk, you know, it's amazing that people can think that just because you get out of the house and you're an adult that you don't have anything left to learn from your parents, you know, or from people that are older than you. There's, there's always something more to learn. Yep. And then with that, honoring our father and mothers, there's care for widow and orphans. Like, that's what good religion is. Mm-hmm. And so a faithful church is a place where the downtrodden can be cared for. Right? It's a place for those who've lost loved ones to receive comfort and care. But it's also, we remember the church isn't necessarily a soup kitchen. <laughs> so like Paul makes clear that families are supposed to care for the widows. And so the church should instruct families to care for the elderly and orphans. And then those who don't really have anybody, that's when the church comes in and cares for. So the church doesn't take over for the family. Right, right. But it does uh, fill in the gaps and yeah, yeah. is helpful, right? And uh, along with this, one of the things I, I wanted to point out was just simply that you'll see here as he talks about widows and caring for them, like the younger widows are to get married because they are tempted to go around um, busybody and all that stuff. And so another healthy trait of a church in darkness is that not only are they caring for the widows and orphans, they are speaking to the temptations and sins of both men and women. Mm -hmm. Like a church can, uh, uh, needs to not just act as if all women are saints by nature and then all men are demons. It's pretty much a prevailing cultural norm is what they want you to think that now. But a church is not showing true kindness and some sincere faith when it doesn't treat women as moral agents who need to repent of sin and look to Christ. So uh, the the next kind of sub point under the church order is simply going back to pastor and elders is providing for your pastor and elders and caring for them, right? Giving them double honor. Uh, a church, even in dark times, should uh, provide for their pastor so that he can devote his whole life to the work of the church. Now, I you're just saying gonna, that because you wanna you wanna drive your your Escalade that that I know you have. <laughs> I guess just joke. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you had to look for a van, so that's why I'm laughing at that. But I, I could play that Joel Austin clip. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> no, I don't have it anymore. But yeah, yeah. But, I think that's what people. No, or think. some people are gonna yeah. make like principled arguments for bivocational work. Sure. And Paul did bivocational work. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, but he also commanded the church to care for pastors. 
And so what I would say for a church is you let the pastor and elders make the decision about bivocational work from a place of wisdom or in conscience rather than because the church will not financially support the pastor. Mm-hmm. Right. Let them make that decision. Obey the pastor and elders. Be careful of being critical of your pastor and elders, right? They're not above sin, but there's a process for charging them with sin. So like, don't go slandering your pastor on Facebook. I know. Or, it's amazing how much you see that. It, it's saddening. It, it 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 makes me mad when I see that because it's like I most I, I I obviously shouldn't assume anything, but most of the time I do assume when I see that. Like you have probably never talked to him about this ever. You know, we we talked about that. I think uh, that was a while back, but we talked about leaving a church. In that episode, you were saying something like, you know, it's it's going to be like that letter of like seventeen things that you've never talked <laughs> to them about. You know, <laughs> like ever, and that you get it on your way out. You know, that's that's not. That's not appropriate at all. And that's the, also the not, that, it's not manly, that it's, coward, hit, it's cowardly. You know, you're not willing to go to them and talk to them. It's just ridiculous. The thought that hit me while you're saying that, Tony, is I think one, one of the reasons people do that is they feel there's a power differential. Hmm. So they feel powerless in front of like the elders, like the elders have authority and stuff and you don't. And so like, well, this is how I'll gain authority is by I'll go to a, a place where everyone will like Agree get my back. And, yeah, I got my back. Yep. Yeah, I see that. And then the other thing I see is people talking about their spouse online, and that that also. I'm I'm pretty. Uh, I I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm harsh. I don't think I'm harsh. I hope I'm not harsh when I respond to that. But I am fairly sharp when I see that. Where it's usually it's just a comment of I don't think this is appropriate for you to talk about your spouse online, and to kind of leave it at that because it's not. You you should not drag your spouse through the mud on some social media forum, you know, and it's, it's kind of that, uh, I was just talking to somebody last night, a fan of the show, actually, we, we mentioned that. And it's like the, the whole, uh, <laughs> the, the kind of veiled prayer chain thing where, you know, it's oh, like, yeah. I need prayer because my husband did blah, 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 blah. You know, I need prayer because my wife did such and such and such and such. And it's like, you no, know, all you're doing right now is just complaining and trying to get people on your side. Yeah. Now, Having said all that, the scripture does talk in a sense of holding them accountable, right? Mm-hmm. If you have two or three witnesses, there's a real process. And we shouldn't follow false teachers or those who sin shamefully and, and then, you know, touch not the Lord's anointed, right? It's Well, and there's something right. to say about if something was said publicly mm-hmm. um, versus privately. Um, you know, there's there's context, people. There's context. Yep. But I, I like it's hard because you'll get people that are like they, they can't ever think of like the idea of like, oh, yeah, my pastor said this publicly. So I'll blast him all over the place mm. when you actually have access to go talk to him and yeah, maybe right. protect and guard him. Yeah. Versus like this is somebody I don't know. They made their public figure and they made this and I'm right. responding to exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. There's 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 differences in that. And 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 and, and then. Going along with this, it, Paul says, like, be very careful who you laid hands on before you put into leadership. And that's good for the church to know. And I would say for individuals, like, if uh, I keep going back to the idea of trying to find a church, mm-hmm. be careful of joining a church too quickly. Yep. Yeah. Right. Again, some people will sit in a, in a pew for like years and say, I'm taking my time and joining membership. It's not what I'm doing. Saying to do. 
But on the other hand, like, don't just leave a church and then immediately go jump to another one Do without another one. like, yeah. And then you're just bouncing from church to church. And every time there's a problem or you find something out, you know, like, well, I thought this was a really good church. I've been sitting here for three weeks and then all of a sudden they opened up the book of Mormon. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> right. they started talking about William Branham. I'm like, I thought this was a good church. They kept I saying the head pastor was coming back and pastor Deborah got to the pulpit today. Like, yeah. <laughs> so be careful about that. All right. Uh, one more point here under order, and then we're about wrapping it up, which is in chapter six. And this goes to the good order is there's, he talks about slavery and serving your masters well, and masters caring for their servants well. And then he talks about wealth. And so the kind of point I would say about this is that a church that's in light will instruct you and the people that are in the church will work hard in their vocations, remembering that God has called every member of the church, whether a pastor, an elder, or the shoemaker, to glorify God. And so God shows no favoritism. We ought not show favoritism to the wealthy in particular. and uh, But we ought to work hard. Like the gifts, the skills that God gives us, we're taking dominion over the world. We're proclaiming that gospel of the kingdom all over the world by all the work that God gives us to do, whatever we put our hands to, to work hard to without chasing riches. Because you know what here in Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. There's a anecdotal story I have. Um, so I've worked for quite a few different private schools and things like that. And I know I'm not going to name names here, but uh, there was a stark difference between two sets at one point. And I, I really love the story because I remember one of them, there was a very wealthy donor um, that pretty much could get his way with anything there. And we were always told by the administration at that particular school, whatever this guy wants, you just do. He's a, he's our top donor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm not saying you don't give somebody some semblance respect for being generous and things like that, which you should, but there was just this weird, overwhelming sense of this guy just basically kind of runs the school because he's got a lot of money and gives it to us. Contrast that with another set of schools that I worked for, also Christian schools. And um, there was a story of the uh, the president of the school at the time. Um, ironically, a similar donor, a guy who actually donated to both schools um, and was pretty much treated like royalty at the other school and treated very well at this school. But he came in at one point and he wanted to use their chapel on a day they were going to have chapel. And the president said, you know, uh, we, we can't have you use it on that day just because we have chapel that day. And the guy said, well, I'm your top donor here. And he slid a check across the desk. And as the story goes from the secretary who told it years later after he retired, he just smiled and he slid it back across the desk. And he said, then we don't need your money. God's taking care of us. Fine. Thank you. And I remember just think hearing that story after I'd experienced the other, you know, uh, school. And there's just such a stark difference between what I would consider sort of just, uh, I guess kind of idolatry or, and or faithlessness on the one set, because it's just like, well, if we, if we anger this guy, what are we possibly ever going to do? You know, type deal. And then the other school that really was just very principled. And I mean, they were always very polite to everybody, very nice school, but very principled and just very trusting that God would take care of them no matter what happened. They had numerous times where 
local news media might find something out about a policy they had, you know, or something in their their bylaws or whatever you want to call it about, you know, marriage being between a man and a woman and then, you know, things happen and people come after you. And they just stood firm and never wavered and always trusted God and never tried to hide anything. And But that came to mind on that with we're talking about, you know, giving preference to people with money or people in authority and stuff. And I, I just thought it was a... I really appreciate that particular president who who did that. I knew, I knew that man. He's a good man. Still is a good man. He's still alive and just good man. He was good for that school. All right. Well, Tony, we talked about the right order for the church, having the right mission, the right purpose, the the, the right gospel, and the right um, position. And then I guess it's the last thing I would say is in a dark age is that the church has to guard all these things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, you see this in chapter 6, verse 20. Paul gives this instruction to Timothy. He says, Old Timothy, guard what is bad entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. You know, that he just says, Old Timothy. You, know, you, you kind of get that like, <laughs> there is like, this is a burden on Paul that mm-hmm. he's pouring out on Timothy. Like, this is so important. Very fatherly. Yeah. Yeah. Guard it. Don't start out well and finish terribly. Yeah. Guard and don't fall into empty deceits and chatter of those who've gone astray. It, New Man. King James says uh, idle babblings. I like that phrase. The the Mechaleka High, Mechahani Ho stuff. <laughs> right from the last. Go back and listen to our previous episode. <laughs> Don't fall into that, but also, you know, idle babblings about all the arguments that people get yeah. into. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin, John Calvin on here, uh, he talks about uh, in his commentary, like the if you read like the introduction to his commentary on Timothy, he talks about how the, the scholastics fell into this kind of speculation and idle babbling. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you know what the scholastics is, school, the, the, the it was like a, there's a big debate going on about some of that right now with Thomas Aquinas and Aquinas has some good things, but some of those things get into very speculative stuff. It's like how many angels can spin on the, the head of a pin kind of deal. <laughs> yes. And that's the kind of stuff that men are very tempted to. Like yeah. I see it all the time, like really weird stuff that people like in the theonomous circles, I've seen people debate and like want to throw down over, Will there be street lights and stop signs <laughs> in the coming post-millennial kingdom? Uh, uh, no, of course not. There's just going to be angels at every intersection directing traffic. <laughs> and there will, be, I mean, like, there will be 12 angels on the head of a pin at every intersection directing traffic. <laughs> I know, I know. I, there's... There's, I know, I've seen, I've seen the groups, I've seen the chatter, I've, I've even heard it at times, and, you know, you kind of are just like, really, really, we're, we're really arguing about this. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about lighthearted, you know, whatever, wondering about something, but there are people like what you're saying. I'm sure is, they're really serious. Like they're, they're dead yeah, serious, yeah, yeah. and, and it's like, wow, wow, like how did that become important to you? I, I that's. Yeah. Wow. Like, you know, God has given us a mission and I'm not saying we downplay theology and doctrine. Yeah. yeah no, not no. one bit. Like yeah. those are important. 
part of the work of passion elders is fighting over that stuff. Part of the fight is to fight over words. Yet the fight that we have about words needs to be the right direction. There's a purpose and mission and the church can't, will, will get sidetracked into minutia of things that are unimportant. And oh, again, there's some subjectivity because the fight over like a very, the difference of spelling a word was, you know, the Nicene Council and all that stuff, very important on the Trinity, important fights to have. Yeah, things that are what's profitable and what's not. Yeah. And so, but we, the church has to rightly guard against getting caught off into like stupidity. Like, uh, <laughs> that's, that's like there are churches yeah. that fight over liturgical collars. You're kidding me. Wow. Okay. Like which collars and stuff you need to put up at certain times. And like, you know, none of that's commanded. It's a tradition. Like sure. you decorate your sanctuary, you put purple. Great. We do it. Sometimes we'll put green, put different collars. Yeah. You know, I like the the uh, Petra had this song about the collars, and red is the color of the blah blah blah. <laughs> oh, that's a throwback right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but man, that's what you're going to fight about. I know. And yeah. uh, um, let's keep the fight where it's supposed to be, and let's keep the purpose where it's supposed to be, and the right gospel and the right position, and protect the right order, right. Those are the things worth fighting for and fighting about and then taking that into the for the gospel of the kingdom into the world. And then that will make a shining light in a dark and an impure age. And that that has the that has the power because of God's promise to to be that light and uh, to make the changes in even in the culture. So um We've gone through this whole thing here and through First Timothy. We didn't get to hit every verse, but I, I think this is very encouraged. I'm encouraged about, in particular, pastoring my church better with these things and uh, living as a man in my family and and uh, getting myself right back in the right areas that I need to be in. Actually, last night... Um... On the, uh, I had a phone call with a, a, a fan of our show and somebody I've talked to before, and um, we talked about a couple problems he was having in his family at the time. But one of the things we both settled on and we're talking about is just really the what you just said is just trying to be a good man, trying to make sure that you're leading well and that you're honoring God in your family and in your marriage and in church and your community, and uh, being excited to do that being excited that you're you're part of this and that God is doing something in your life and can use you to do something in other people's lives and that there is a mission bigger than us and to be about the mission and uh, it was a good conversation we had I'm not going to name names uh you know who you are you're listening it was a good conversation Jim. thank you for good Jim yeah Joseph's going to keep guessing here but I'm not going to tell but they thank you for was uh, it that Augustine? call last night but Augustine yeah okay okay we'll go with that it was Augustine when Augustine and I okay. talked on the phone last Augustus night Augustus Gloop <laughs> yeah all right, folks. Well, that's our episode uh, for this week. This this kind of sums up our two-part episode here on uh, being the church in the darkness, and uh, according to Paul and Timothy here. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you like these uh, kind of two-part episodes or multi-part episodes, uh, give us a comment down on one of our social media platforms or shoot us an email 
contact at the patriotgreatpodcast.com. Um, I'll get it and we'll respond to it, or you can shoot us a message on any of our, our social media pages as well. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. I think we enjoy it. I kind of like this format. I think you do too, Joseph. It kind of gives us a chance to kind of flesh things out a little bit more. But uh, as always, if you'd like to support our show, if you are a new listener, by the way, thank you for listening. And uh, we are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Uh, we do have memberships there where you can get access to more things behind the scenes. Uh, this particular show will always be free, but there are other things you can get access to behind the paywall. If you go to fightlaughfeast.com and you click to sign up to become a member and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do is the only code you need to know. That's the code PATRIARCHY at fightlaughfeast.com. Sign up to become a member. Get access to our other show, After the Sandwich, and also a bunch of other things behind the paywall. Uh, there's multiple tiers you can sign up for, and you can also get a membership for a friend. So go to fightlaughfeast.com and click to sign up to become a member and use the code PATRIARCHY to support us. And if you like coffee, we have partnered with Mission First Coffee. Uh, if you go to missionfirstcoffee.com uh, forward slash patriarchy, you get yourself some very excellent coffee. And I do actually mean that. I'm being completely truthful. I have tried their coffee. I've met these guys. Wonderful company. Really cool guys. Believers. Uh, awesome coffee. Uh, you can get yourself a bag of uh, coffee from them and also support uh, them. Paul Washer's Heart Cry Missionary Fund and also uh, our show as well. If you go to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy, you get yourself some wonderful, as uh, Joseph likes to call it, bitter bean water. Uh, I think it's better than bitter bean water. We'll agree to disagree, Joseph, but I like my coffee. So go to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy and let them know that we sent you. So with that being said, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is the Patriarchy.